Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Good morning. It's good to see you all here. The tacky sweaters are in full force. It's awesome. But let's give it up for the plaid. I mean, that's really where it's at, right? That was, thanks, Ryan, for, did someone boo the plaid? Pedro! Pedro! I said, uh, Megan told me this morning that her and Ryan were, were getting ready, and she throws on her tacky sweater, and she's like, Ryan, you don't have a tacky sweater. And Ryan's like, I'm Team Andrew this morning, so, which is hilarious. So, but I appreciate the support. Ryan, I just didn't have one, and I didn't have time to go get one. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But enough about me. If you have a Bible, uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 2. I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole, but we're going we're gonna to end that before it gets worse. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read in a moment verses 21 through 38. Find it in your Google it, Bible app, in your Bible, whatever works for you. Um, we're uh, going to uh, read there in, in just, just a minute. Um, I, I'm in a season in my life. Some of you are in this season. Some of you are uh, in different points along this way. Some of you are not thinking about this at all yet. But I'm in a season in my life where I'm, I'm starting to get more serious about things like retirement and investment accounts. Um, uh, my student loans are almost completely paid off. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and, and, uh, and more seriously, Jillian and I are thinking about uh, investing more, more intentionally and, and what are we doing and thinking about the next 20, 30 years, investing money for college for our girls and just been talking with a friend about that kind of thing and, and, and talking about how uh, you make little, little investments now, little things now uh, go a long way in 20, 30, 40 years from now. It's this thing called compound interest, right? Really consistent investments, especially when you're younger, uh, allow this kind of interest to grow, like little by little, just doing that slowly, one thing at a time. Um, and and I, I know that that can feel daunting, especially on my end of it. Uh, if you're my age or younger, maybe you're like, man, this just seems like an impossible goal to achieve. Like, is it even worth it to put $20 a month into an investment account or $100 a month into an investment account? And maybe you're on the other end of things and you've been investing for years and years and you're like, wow, that was totally worth it. I'm seeing the fruit of playing the long game here. And you, if you have those stories, please encourage me with them uh, at, at some point this week. Um, but, but I was just thinking about how like when you, when you play the long game and you're in it for the long haul, a lot of times you see fruit that you wouldn't see if you were just focused on the short term, right? Uh, our, our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, we uh, have had a, uh, we call them fields, which are, are places uh, that we are, um, that we're serving in overseas and we have international workers and, and we have an international uh, field that we have been serving in for over a hundred years now. And, and when we first went into that country as a denomination uh, over a hundred years ago, right, uh, there was conflicts there and, and war and all of these other denominations from the United States were pulling their workers out saying, we're going to leave. This, this is too dangerous. We're not seeing any fruit here. We just need to leave. And our de denomination made the decision to never leave and always have a presence, whether there's war, conflict, all these things. I love those silent claps. Yeah. But, but here's now where we are over 100 years later. Um, we have special status in that country by the government along with like denominations that have existed for almost 2000 years like since the beginning of the church we're talking like ancient ancient denominations that you probably maybe have never heard of um, you know Syriac uh, Orthodox and all these different groups uh, and and we have we have a, a standing in the government as an officially recognized church other denominations want to try and get in there and they're like no 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 you're not a real church or you're not recognized as a real, and we're talking, you have to be an ancient, ancient church. Like you have to be like over a thousand years old to probably qualify in their eyes. So most people aren't. But because we stayed and played the long game there, we're, we're seeing fruit 
bear out in, in so many ways hundreds of years later. There's something about playing the long game that is so fruitful, yet it's so difficult in our culture, isn't it? We live uh, in Amazon Prime mentality. How many of you lost your mind when Amazon shut down like last week, that one day last week? Anyone? Yeah. And it, it wasn't just that. It was they powered like web services and we could get into all that. I was like having a, a fit that day. It was a crazy day. It's like they're powering like half these websites that I need to do my job. I can't believe this. Um, it, it was a nightmare. Uh, but their servers were down. So Amazon was down. So if you were ordering your Christmas gifts or you're trying to sneak it in last minute, you're trying to get your gifts ordered and you're like, I can't do anything. But, but we're such a, an instant gratification culture. Like we're used to uh, Amazon Prime mode where we're just like, well, it's no problem. I'll order their gift today. It'll be here tomorrow and then I'll give it to them that afternoon. It's perfect, right? But there, there, there's, it's so hard for us to think about, um, well, what if I make some kind of investment now in life that I'm not gonna see any results for for 50 years, 100 years? We're like, uh, I'm out, thank you. I'll go do something else, thanks. And any of us who are parents know that like, you're really making investments that sometimes you'll, you'll see little glimpses of it, but you won't see things for like, 20 years sometimes that you're praying to see. When you invest in being a part of uh, planting a new church community like we're doing here, you don't see the results you want to see in the first one, two, three, four years. It could take six, 10, 15 years to see what God wants to do. Yeah, you can probably put on a big event and get a lot of people to show up, but to see the real deep life change and transformation, it takes so much longer. And when we have faith that's like Amazon Prime faith, we can get really cheap, quick hits of God doing something in a moment, but we don't see something that lasts. And we don't see something that bears fruit and is really fruitful over the long haul. You guys know what I'm saying? But when we can have faith like an investment account, a retirement account, something like that, when we can have faith like our, our international workers that stayed no matter what suffering or conflict they faced, you can see fruit that you just can't even possibly imagine at this moment in your life. And this is called enduring faith, at least what I'm calling enduring faith. And there's a Christmas story that sometimes get, gets overlooked a little. It's the story that we're going to read here. And, and it's about two individuals that walked with incredible and, and inspiring enduring faith. And, and that's what I want to share with you today. It's the story of Simeon and Anna. And it's a fun story about eight days after Jesus was born and he goes to get dedicated at the temple. So I want to read to you this story and then I just would love to talk to you about four elements of enduring faith from the lives of Simeon and Anna. So let's read this together starting in verse 21 of chapter 2. It says, eight days later when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. And so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. And he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise 
He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years, and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Let's pray. Jesus, as we are getting deep into this Christmas season, uh, I just ask God that, that you would do something transformational in this community. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful for how you are, are just growing people's joy today. I just sense such celebration and joy in the room. And I just pray, God, that that would be something contagious for them to carry into every place they go this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you about this story. It's a great story. Uh, and, and like I said, four elements of enduring faith. So let's talk about the first one. Enduring faith is Holy Spirit-led. If you're to have enduring faith that sees the, the long game, that bears through in the long term, it has to be Holy Spirit-led. Simeon, he had a word from the Holy Spirit that he wasn't going to die, that he wasn't going to taste death uh, and until until he got to see the answer to Israel's prayers. And, and he had to, to live every single day, patiently waiting with endurance, just going along, trusting that God was doing something and he was up to something big. And, and there, there, this is supposed to be a time in in Israel's history where supposedly, they, they call it the 400 years of silence, right? Uh, those of you who did our, our 30 days to, to reading the Bible, right? Uh, you remember, and they talk about these years of silence. Um, that's like sort of true, kind of not. It's just like a broad strokes way of describing it. But uh, it's not wrong. But there are people like Simeon who God was doing something in and working through in this time because they were carrying an, an enduring faith, trusting that God was going to do something really, really powerful and answer their prayers soon. And, and Simeon was able to wait because of the Holy Spirit working in his life. That's why he was able to wait for year after year after year, waiting for an answer to, to Israel's crisis waiting for their Messiah, for their Savior to be born. And, and it says three things about how he interacted and how the Holy Spirit was working in, in Simeon's life. It, it says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. It says that the Holy Spirit revealed things to him. And then it says that the Holy Spirit led him. Upon, revealed, and led. So upon him, this word is implying something amazing. It's implying that uh, the Holy Spirit was uh, filling Simeon. He was living filled with the Holy Spirit before the time that we talk about people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Up to this point in the whole story of the Bible, there's only one or two people who were filled with the Spirit. Other people, the, the Spirit would come upon them and they would do something miraculous or really powerful and then the Spirit would go away. And then he would come back. And, and this is a person that, that it's implied had the Spirit upon them at all times. They, they didn't uh, just have like a one-time experience with God. They were living their lives, Simeon was, filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18, Paul writes to the Ephesian church, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the, the call of every Christian believer. And that word there, the verb literally means to be being filled, to keep on being filled. That it's not just a one-time thing. You're supposed to live your life filled with the Holy Spirit. It also said that Simeon had things revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that Simeon listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
He he was paying attention to what God was saying. He was hearing him speak to him. He was seeing things that he was showing him uh, in scripture and through prayer and and, in just silence and waiting on God. And he was having things revealed to him. He could hear what God was trying to tell him. And so he could wait and know, okay, God I know is really speaking. He said that I'm not going to die until I I see this answer to prayer. So I can trust that I heard God's voice and I'm going to wait. He trusted that the Holy Spirit was revealing things to him. And then it says that he was led. He was paying attention to the Holy Spirit's little daily promptings. Being led to interact with different people. To go pray. To go do this work of service. Whatever it might be. He, he lived his life uh, following God. Now imagine if Simeon was living this life God had promised that he would not die until he saw the Savior. He he wouldn't die until he saw the Redeemer, the one who would set them free. And he was living his life filled with the Spirit and he was hearing God say all these things. But imagine that morning before when he got up and the Holy Spirit said to him, Hey, I want you to go to the temple. I'm leading you to the temple this morning. And and he just says, Oh, I'm really tired today. I've got a lot of things that I got to get done. Um, I'm going to go to the temple later. That'll, that'll be good, but I've, just, I've got to get through this to-do list first and my checklist. You realize he would have missed the very thing God had been promising him if he didn't remain led by the Spirit. How many of us feel like God's given us a, a dream, he's given us something in our hearts, maybe it's something for our family's future, maybe God said something about uh, our neighbors, our coworkers. maybe God's just given us a heart for our neighborhood, whatever it is, and, and how many of you have had moments where you're like, I know God's doing this and he said this to me and I'm on fire for it, and then you've had those moments where the Spirit has clearly led you to something and you're like, I just don't have time for that right now, I'm kind of doing my thing, can you just make it happen God and I'll follow you later? Man, I'm I'm guilty of this all the time. A lot of times I think we as Christians, because theologically, as soon as you follow Jesus, you are filled with the Spirit. That's true. You have the Holy Spirit. No question. But a lot of us are living life filled with the Holy Spirit, but we're not living life with the Holy Spirit revealing things to us so we know what he's saying, and we're not living life with the Holy Spirit leading us because we're so caught up in our own agendas. And, and when that happens, when we're captive to these agendas, we miss out on the very thing God's been trying to gift us with the whole time. So upon, revealed, and led. And if we're going to be people of enduring faith, we have to be led by the Holy Spirit in this way. As a matter of fact, you don't have the power. I don't have the power in me. Listen, I I get up here and talk to you every Sunday. Like, I do not have the capability to live a life of enduring faith on my own. No one does. If we're trying to go drive a car without fuel in the tank, we're only going to go until the fuel runs out. But Paul says, be being filled, keep go back, keep being filled up by God, keep getting fresh revelation from God, keep being led by the Spirit. And as you do, you're going to see day by day by day that you're living a life of enduring faith and you just go follow him day after day and it's the long game playing out. You know, I love that we serve. I want people to serve. I don't want to like knock any of that or, or be a part of the family. We all have responsibilities to be part of the family here uh, if, if this is your church, but I want more than anything for you to become women and men and children of the Spirit more than anything else. Yeah, great. Serve on Sunday. Awesome. You can check that box. Show up when when we do events. Awesome. Check those boxes. That's great. But more than anything else, that's not going to change West Milford. That's not going to change us as a people. What's going to change West Milford is to become women, men, and children of the Spirit. Amen? And that only happens when we go, I'm going to stop doing my agenda and start doing yours. I want to live my life with the Holy Spirit upon me, with the Holy Spirit revealing things to me and being led by the Holy Spirit. That's how we walk in enduring faith. Second, enduring faith is honest. Enduring faith is honest. Uh, Simeon gives this pretty amazing prophetic word. To, to Mary and to Joseph. This, this word from God, he's a light to reveal God to the nations. Everyone in the world is going to know who God is through Jesus, through this eight-day-old baby. Everyone's going to know. And he is the glory of our own nation, Israel. 
Incredible words. Incredible words. He's going to have influence and significance in the world unparalleled to anyone. That's what he was saying to this eight-day-old baby. Now, that is a crazy, crazy statement, and here's why. Uh, to the extent maybe that they were thinking maybe that's, that's crazy altogether, but how many of us, like, you know, if you're a parent, especially, I've got two little girls, so I'm like, you know, my, my girls are going to, you know, change the world. That's, that's what I think of my kids, right? I'm proud of them. But what we all automatically kind of think about our kids or our grandkids or our nieces or nephews or something like that. We go, man, these are the best kids. They're amazing. They're, you know, watch them. They're so smart. They're way smarter than those kids over there. They're, they're going to do things and change. You think about this about your kids and you're just so amazed by them and impressed by them. We have this idea in our worldview in the Western world called upward mobility. Okay, and we have this idea that, and, and it's true, just kind of based on our society, that if you, what you put in, more or less speaking, you can get out, right? If you work hard, if you go to the right school, if you do this, you do that, like there is a pathway for someone to go kind of from rags to riches, if I can use that. We love those stories of someone who had nothing, uh, a, a single mom who worked four jobs to put them through college, and suddenly here they are, and, and they're CEO of a Fortune 500 company or something like that. We love those stories of upward mobility. I want you to take that whole worldview and just throw it in the dumpster for a minute, because that did not exist in Jesus's world, Okay, and, and here's what we know. This is a very, a little detail that Luke puts in here. It says that Mary and Joseph gave the offering of two turtle doves. You can start singing the song now. Um, two turtle doves. This was the offering you gave if you were dirt poor. The poorest of the poor. The least influential of all people except for maybe people who are actually enslavement, in, in enslavement. These people had no hope for rising above their station. That just didn't happen. You were going to be born poor and you were going to die poor. That's the world Jesus lived in. So for the, this poor family to, to offer the little cheap offering that they could because they were very, very poor and to have someone from the temple come over to them and say, this baby's going to change the world was completely unheard of and a shocker. How, how do we deal with that? And so, so sometimes God gives you incredible, incredible uh, visions, incredible uh, ideas, incredible things that he's saying, this is going to happen. And you're like, this is unreal. How in the world is this going to happen? Right? Maybe you've got things about, maybe it's, there's a family member that you want to see come to faith and you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. It's going to be a total God thing. This would be an unreal miracle if this happened, right? These are the, the kinds of things that are happening here. And this is how crazy this story was. But then Simeon doesn't stop there. A lot of us, we love the, the, the story of victory. We love the story of, oh, and then you're going to come out on top and all these amazing things are going to happen. But then Simeon says, by the way, there's going to be a lot of suffering on the path to get there. It's not all rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies, he says, he, he's a sign from God, but many are going to oppose him. And in fact, he's going to be so heavily opposed, Mary, that a sword is going to pierce your soul. It's going to be so painful. And there's two Greek words for sword. There's one sword that's like a little dagger, and there's another Greek word for a sword that's like a giant broadsword. He used the broadsword word there in the Greek. A really big, it's going to gut you, Mary. What Jesus, he's going to have this incredible calling. He has this incredible purpose, your eight-day-old little baby. But it's going to involve a lot of suffering. It's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. It's going to be painful, and it's going to gut you. It's going to be so bad. Are you like, wow, thank you for the encouragement. You're not invited to my second child's dedication. How, would, how many of you love that? We dedicated our daughter Phoebe a few weeks ago. How many of you would love if someone just gave, someone gave a word like, Phoebe, you're going to do this amazing stuff and it's going to be so painful and you're going to suffer so much and people are going to hate you. Enduring faith is honest. Okay, we, we, we think about faith a lot of times more like hype. We're going to go. We're going to do this thing for the kingdom. It's going to be amazing. And God's going to do amazing stuff. Simeon doesn't deny that, right? But he's honest. 
There's something deeper here, something that we can't fully wrap our heads around. God does things differently than we do in the world. And his way of playing the long game, enduring faith, it works out a lot differently. Before we get to that great victory, there's suffering. I love this quote from N.T. Wright about this. He says, it now appears that God's appointed redeemer will deal with this suffering that's happening in the world, he says, by sharing it himself. Simeon speaks dark words about opposition and about a sword that will pierce Mary's heart as well. So this, Luke is saying, is what happens when the kingdom of God confronts the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God always comes at things very differently than the kingdom of the world. We don't hype things. We're led by the Holy Spirit into things and we're honest about things. We see God wants to do this incredible thing, but there's pain and there's sacrifice and there's suffering along the way. How many of you have ever felt like God wants me to do this? It's really risky and actually people might like not talk to me anymore. I might be rejected if I do this thing. Or, or, or maybe, ooh, that's gonna require a lot of personal sacrifice, personal suffering. I'm not sure I'm ready to pay that cost. I don't know if I'm gonna go there. Even though there's this amazing thing God tells you is gonna happen, you see the suffering involved. How many of you have just gone, ooh, I'm just gonna hit pause on that for right now. Yeah, oh man. But when we, we're so wrapped up in the way the world brings about victory. We can't live with enduring faith, but enduring faith is honest. It's honest. And it calls us into something that sees the fullness of what God wants to do. And just like Jesus is willing to embrace the suffering, the sacrifice that's involved to see the fullness of what God wants to do in you and through you. Third, not only is enduring faith spirit-led, not only uh, is it honest, but Oh, my quote didn't go up there before. Oh, my, my uh, slides got a little out of order. You didn't see that. Enduring faith is devoted and disciplined. Devoted and disciplined. So next we meet Anna. Simeon's given this incredible prophecy. He's blessed Mary and, and Joseph. And then we meet this woman, Anna, who it says never left the temple. Now, most likely she didn't have an apartment in the temple. Uh, that's not what this means. Uh, most likely, all it means is that she centered her life around the temple, around worship, around prayer, around fasting. She oriented everything about how she did life around this place. She reordered her life in order to make this the priority, is what that means. She was there day and night. And she'd probably been doing this for 60 to 70 years at least. Can you imagine? what kind of endurance that takes, day in, day out, living life in prayer, in worship, in fasting. I don't think that means she fasted every day for 70 years. Like, that probably wouldn't be realistic. But she had periods of it. And she would do this day in and day out. And she was there. They were seeking and crying out to God. And it says she wasn't alone. There's this little group of them. And they were all there expectant, crying out for God to send his redeemer. They needed an answer to prayer for their nation. They needed breakthrough and they were hungry to see it. We don't have a lot of time to go down this road, but I'll say it briefly. It is really hard to imagine the desperation and hunger of the, the Jewish people in this time uh, if, if you haven't experienced a level of, of oppression like they experienced and injustice like they experienced. It is really hard to put ourselves in their shoes because their savior wasn't just a spiritual savior to make their hearts warm. Uh, he was a savior that was supposed to save them from all of the injustice and the impression, oppression that they had endured for centuries. And so they're crying out and they're ordering their lives in this intense, devoted, disciplined way because they're like, nothing else matters. We need God's answer. And we're going to play the long game and day in, day out, seek God for what he wants to do. We would call this practicing spiritual disciplines. Uh, in a very intentional environment. Now, now, how does this connect to enduring faith? Why do you need this for enduring faith? I've shared this illustration before. How many of you love to go to the beach? 
uh, and you like to, this is a great thing to think about in December maybe for some of you, uh, and you go to the beach and you set up your towel, you set up your umbrella, you got your book, you're ready to do your, your beach reading, and then you're like, you know, I'm just going to go jump in the, the water for a little bit and swim around, and you go out into the water and you swim and you enjoy the water a bit, and you're like, all right, I'm going to go dry off, it's time to read my book, and, and you get up and you look up and you're going to walk back to your stuff and you realize your beach towel's gone and your umbrella's gone, it's not there. Does that happen to you? And then you look and like 50 feet down the shore, you're like, oh, there's my beach umbrella and my beach towel. Has that happened to you? Yeah, you're like, oh, I, I drifted and I didn't even know it. Here's what happens to us. Uh, every one of us, no one's immune to this. Uh, our culture, what, what our culture orders its life around, uh, what we personally order our life around, uh, the crises that happen in our life, the pains, the woundings, all these different filters that, that happen in our life, all of these things, uh, uh, circumstances that happen, different things, all of these things cause us to drift off course in our faith. So it's not like you say yes to Jesus and it's static and it'll never move and you're all good. You say yes to Jesus and the next day you've drifted 50 feet down shore because you weren't paying attention. It's the same with our faith. And, and when, but what we have to do, church, and we're, we'll talk more about this over the, the, the next several like months, um, especially in January, we'll talk about this a little. What happens for us and what we need to do if we're gonna have enduring faith as a people is we need to learn how to reorder our lives like Anna did. Because she ordered her life in such a way to be anchored firm in her focus, which was God's answer to prayer, which was Jesus's return, Jesus's coming. And, and living your life anchored in prayer, worship, fasting, in living these spiritual disciplines. Now, some of you are going like, so basically make my life boring. That's not what I'm saying. We'll, we'll, we'll teach more on this in the coming, uh, coming months. Um, but there's something about when you reorder your life around God, you begin to have a focus for God that you never had previously. It doesn't just happen by accident. I, I tell people all the time, and you've probably heard, me, some of you have heard me say this, uh, if you need a way to measure what your followership to Jesus is like, not for anyone to judge you, but for you to do a personal check on what your discipleship to Jesus is like, check your calendar and your bank account. How is your life ordered? How is your time ordered? How is your money ordered? Is it ordered around following Jesus or is it ordered around whatever our culture has said is important to order your life around? What, or, or whatever your family personally values ordering your life around. What is going on with those two things? And, and you know what's the hardest thing is instantly people go, whoa, that's super controlling. And, that's, and all of the red flags go up and like, it's a cult and everything like that. And I'm, being, I'm making light of it, but the reason it feels awkward to talk about how are you using your time and how are you using your money is because they're the things that our culture says uh, that no one should ever tell you what to do with. And Jesus is saying, I would like to tell you how to use those. And this is when the gospel gets really real because we go, oh, I have to reorder my life. It's not just, yes, I'm following Jesus, check, I'll show up here on Sunday. He is calling out a remnant of people that are hungry for God to do something new, to do something powerful, to see a whole community be transformed with the life-changing love and joy and peace of Jesus. But you don't just get that overnight. You get that through enduring faith that only comes through devoted and disciplined people who are willing to reorder their lives around the presence of Jesus. church, will you be the remnant like Anna that wants to reorder their lives around Jesus with prayer, with worship, with fasting? It is scary. It terrifies me. We'll talk more about what that looks like in weeks and months to come. I know it just like felt really intense in the room all of a sudden. It is a little intense 
But let me tell you, it, 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 this is not a, okay, so we're going to like live at the church now. That's not what I'm talking about. So we're gonna unpack, like I said, we'll unpack this. We don't have time to unpack this in its fullness, but, but, there is, but you are going to, if you're saying yes to this, you are going to reorder your life around Jesus. And that changes everything. So our enduring faith, and this is what fuels enduring faith because you'll be anchored. You won't drift off course. When God says, hey, I'm gonna do a thing in you and through this community, but it's not gonna be done in two minutes. This is an Amazon Prime faith. This is, this is enduring faith. You're going to have to be anchored in something if you're gonna see this go the long game. Who wants to be anchored in something? Come on, come on. So enduring faith. Enduring faith is Holy Spirit-led, it's honest, it's devoted and disciplined. And finally, enduring faith celebrates the smallest breakthrough. How many of you like to party? How many of you like to celebrate? It's a good thing. This is not, we, we need to reclaim some of these words, by the way. The church needs to reclaim what it means to party and celebrate. Because it should be, we should be having more fun and more joy than anyone else in the world. Amen? Anna runs over. She's been devoting her life, anchored, centered on God, reordered her life around this one thing. And there she goes and runs over and sees Mary and Joseph, sees the baby and goes, can you bring him back when he's older? And we can see if that's God's answer to prayer. Thanks. No. She immediately begins to praise God. We've seen it. There's the answer. It's done. Don't need any more. Don't need any more proof. God said it's done. Think about that. An eight-day-old baby, and they're saying, there's the hope of Israel. It meant a spiritual hope. It meant a political hope. It meant a social hope. All these things, eight days old, and they're like, there it is. God's answered our prayer. And they went crazy celebrating. And she was telling everyone. The smallest answer. God answered in the smallest form and they went crazy. How many of you ever held an acorn in your hand? Probably a lot of you. Yeah. It's really small, right? What happens to that acorn planted in the ground 100 years later? Yeah, like a little, like sapling tree? What are we talking here? No, it's, it's a mighty oak tree. That's what it is 100 years later, right? Have you ever seen those massive oak trees? Huge, hundreds of years old. All came from one tiny seed. What would have happened if we looked at that seed and gone, what am I going to do with you? And just chucked it. Or if any of you garden, take those little seeds and be like, this is useless. What am I going to get from this? God answers prayers a lot of times in the same way. We need to praise God and celebrate when he gives us an answer in seed form. And that's really hard to see if you're not focused ordering your life around prayer, around worship, around seeking God's presence. You totally miss it a lot of times. Enduring faith only survives when you see God answer in the smallest form. The smallest form. I, I'm honestly, I'm pretty terrible at this. I, I've had times in my life where I have failed miserably at this. Some of you know, um, one of the things that I do is I, I write music I record and, and, and have been involved in worship around the, the, this region, uh, the, kind of the New York City, New Jersey area for a while. And, and early on, about 10 years ago, I felt like God was giving me, um, you know, clear words about being involved in, in worship music in this region and writing songs and helping people do that and different things like that. And, and I got the tiniest trickle of an answer maybe 10, 12 years ago in, in, from different people. And I'd have like a person come to me and just say, hey, can I pick your brain about this? Or hey, I saw you did this. Can I ask you about that? And I, I was no expert and I really didn't think that I was much of an expert. And, and you know what I did in that situation? Instead of recognizing God answering prayer in seed form, I kind of blew the people off. I was like, I just don't have time. 
was too focused on my agenda, what I thought God was doing. I wasn't paying attention to the fact that he was actually answering the prayer in seed form. And he's like, what are you going to do with this? The scripture says, he that's faithful with little will be faithful with much. Are you going to be uh, contemptuous at the seed that God gives you for an answer or are you going to go crazy like Anna and celebrate it? Because your faith will run out of gas if you can't celebrate the answers when they start really small. Because they're gonna take a long time to grow. They need years to grow. I think we need this kind of enduring faith for ourselves, but I think we need it uh, in particular these days for our children. I wanna talk to you about this for a minute. Uh, I, I just uh, I, I read a, a report just the other day uh, that ER visits, emergency room visits for, for young girls uh, at the first part of this year, it was up 51%. Emergency room visits for suicide attempts was up 51%. 51%. Boys were up 4%, and there's a bunch of statistical reasons for that and why, why that happens. That, that's the general trend that young girls are higher than, than boys usually. And, and I sat there and I, I read this and I was just crushed. And the, the Surgeon General actually said in, in conjunction with this report that we're about to see a mental health epidemic among young people. A mental health epidemic among children. Not just teenagers, but children. We're already seeing it. Some of you are school teachers you're being trained in it. You're, you're, you have therapists that are assigned to your school district. I met someone the other day, and, and she's, a, she's a lone therapist to cover three elementary schools in a school district. They, they, there's not enough people to do the work, and there's so much need. So much need. The, um, one of, someone from the Board of Education here in West Milford told me a while back, you know, every single meeting, this is during when the pandemic started, she's like, every single meeting used to start with, let's talk about the money, let's talk about the money, let's talk about the money. And now every single meeting starts with, what are the mental health crises that happened this month? What happened this month? What do we need to do? Every conversation is a mental health conversation. It's becoming even bigger and more urgent than the money conversation. Church, here's what we need. We need Anna's and Simeon's that can see God working in seed form. They can see God working in children when it looks like their lives are totally messed up. We need to be able to see God working and answering prayer in teenagers when their lives are super messed up and see past the, I'm not sure about that and I don't know what's going on with that and be able to see, no, God's doing something here. And I believe you're part of what God is bringing to West Milford. I believe you're part of what God wants to accomplish here. We need Annas and Simeons that are going to be spirit-led people to know and, and get words for young children to say, God is going to do this and that in your life. God is going to do something incredible in you. And then not just say the words, but walk with them through those words, through all of the trials, through all of the tragedy, through all of the struggle that they are going through. Are you going to be an Anna or a Simeon? Are you going to walk with people through that? Here's a super practical way you can do that. We have a kids ministry. Yeah. Shout out, Megan. We have a kids ministry. Every Sunday, there's anywhere from one to two to six kids. They need, starting now, even when they're young, we're like, oh, they're, you know, what are, they're little kids. They need you starting now to be speaking words of life into them. They need you starting now to begin to hear what God is saying about them and pray over them and speak it into them. And during the week, you're praying for different kids as God brings them to your heart and mind. If we do not do this, and this is true for any church, if we do not do this, there is never a second generation of a church in a community. 
churches that lack enduring faith ignore God's answers in seed form. I'm not interested in pastoring that kind of church. I don't think you're interested in being a part of that kind of church. I think you're here because you want to walk in enduring faith and you want to celebrate God's answers in the smallest form. Every single one of you, when I've met you and you've come into this church, you're an answer to prayer because we're starting this church with basically no one. You're, you're here because God's doing something in your life. And so I could either be like, ah, oh, I wish there was someone here that like, you know, had seminary training. Why do I need that? It's nice. But why can't I go, wow, look at how God's gifted that person. And look at how God's gifted that person. And wow, God's called them here. God's doing this in their life. Someone just told me before service that, that their life feels like it's totally been transformed since they started coming here. It's not because of anything I'm doing. God's at work in you in this place. You're, you're listening and God's doing something and you're going, I, I've got to say yes to this. So all I, all I can do as your pastor is just say, just keep fanning the flame. Go, let's go. Sometimes I got to direct the flame in certain directions. That's just kind of the shepherding part of my job. But we have to, it can't just be me doing this. Each one of you has a call to be like an Annie, Anna, an Annie, an Anna, and a Simeon, and walk with enduring faith to see the answer in its smallest form, even though it seems insignificant, and go, yes. Every child that comes in this building is an answer to prayer. How are you going to respond to that? Megan's right over here. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. But I, I, and I mean this seriously. I'm not like, we're desperate for kids workers, please. We need more kids workers. That's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying this because it's biblical. Because the kingdom doesn't work with, let's take everyone who's already ready. Let's take everyone who's already there all the way. Let's take everyone who's the finished product. Those people come too. That's great. But actually the kingdom works with, can we celebrate what God's doing in the smallest form and fan it into flame? That's enduring faith. Amen? Enduring faith. We, we're not interested in a faith that gives us instant gratification. No Amazon Prime faith here. Right? We are here to play the long game. Yes? We are here to walk as spirit-led people. We're here to be honest about the full picture of what God is going to do in us and through us in this community. We are here to be devoted and disciplined in a different way. And to celebrate the smallest breakthroughs. That's enduring faith. That's enduring faith. And we'll see fruit that's a lot more like investment accounts. We'll see fruit that's a lot more like a hundred years in a Middle Eastern country and getting favor with the government there. We'll see that kind of fruit when we walk with enduring faith. Who's ready for that? Let's stand together. Worship team, would you come up? I wanna pray for you and then we're gonna worship. What we're doing this afternoon Christmas by the fire from four to six. A, it's gonna just be a blast. Did I mention there's a taco truck? It's just gonna be a blast. But second, you don't know who you're going to meet there. Every one of you, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. If you say, this is my home church, I want you to go out of your way to introduce yourself to people that you don't usually see here on a Sunday. Because they're probably visitors. And I know, yeah, they came for the taco truck but really, God's up to something in them. And we need to respond and celebrate what God's doing in them in seed form and just welcome them. Introduce yourself to them. Love on them. Get to know them. That's, that's your assignment tonight. That's your assignment this afternoon. Are you with me? Enduring faith says too, great, I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna have this conversation. I'm gonna have this moment with them. 
Enduring faith doesn't complain if they don't show up on Sunday, though. They say, that's step one. That's the first time I've met them. There's more coming. Amen? Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for this church family. The the gift each one of them is that you led each of them here. There's no mistake. There's no mistake in what you do, Holy Spirit. You led each person here. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would give us enduring faith. God, what we're doing here is not something that we see the answer to in a week. It's not something we see the answer to in a month or a year. We are here to play the long game. We are here to show a faith that endures. We are here to show a faith that does not quickly burn out. you're comfortable, I just want to invite you to hold your hands out just to receive from the Lord. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that for every person who's here that's saying, yes, God, I I need this kind of enduring faith, man. I, I need a faith that can see through the long haul, through the momentary struggles, through the suffering. I need enduring faith. I just want you to receive right now from the Holy Spirit. Receive a fresh filling, a fresh gifting, a fresh anointing. You know, faith is one of the gifts mentioned in the Bible that the Holy Spirit gives, a gift of faith. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would release and activate a gift of faith in our church community. That they would suddenly have an endurance, a set in, that they're just ready for the long haul that they didn't have before that they would suddenly be leaning into you and crying out to you in a way that anchors them in the faith that they want to see go forward. And I just pray even this week, even this week, that things that just seem so far out of reach that you're like, I'm never going to get there, that even if it still is going to take a long time, you suddenly have this gift of faith activated where you're like, I'm on the road. I'm going to get there. I'm going to make it. We're going to make it. God's at work and I can trust him. So release that gift right now, Holy Spirit. Release it. Release it. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org. 